year is 1973. Yeah. Okay, just imagine you're you're a director, you're a filmmaker, and you've made like one of the most uh, terrifying and influential and successful horror movies of all time, Night of the Living Dead. Yes, George Romero. Okay. Yep. So what are you doing now? Are you pitching jobs to the Lutheran Church? <laughs> that is uh that is quite the uh, that's range. But so okay, so we this saw is a, this is a great vibe though, because uh, just so you know, it's almost one a.m. We just came out of a late night screening. Yes, right at Alamo Draft House mm-hmm. of the amusement park. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the lost film of George Romero. Yeah, uh, which they started explaining that it wasn't really lost. He was kind of like he didn't think it was a big deal. Yeah, and of course, maybe he was very modest because it clearly was a big deal and very influential. Because well, let's. I mean, let's let's frame it properly. This was a. Supposed to be a public service announcement right. about um, consciousness of uh, the elderly. You felt everything that happened in this movie. This was very a movie that it was just like it, it jumped to the screen and and you felt it. You know, you felt the struggles that were happening here. Yeah. And he clearly he had a message that he wanted to deliver because it was an important message as far as you know we need to take care of and respect the elderly because we're it's basically a journey that, that we're all on mm-hmm. and we're, the destination is going to be exactly the same yeah uh, but he got really deep like that's what the amusement park to me representative just like basically this generation who is no longer able to keep up with everything that's around them now right right their right. surroundings it was just it's all loud and confusing loud and overwhelming and, confusing. and um they were all sweating like every mm-hmm. all the elderly people were sweating they were all getting pushed aside yeah they were getting weird pitches of just like insurance sales you know it was very fear-based you know yeah you know that's why i guess you know coming from a hard director it was definitely fear-based because they're just like these people are going to take advantage of me. These people are, who's going to take care of me? You know, I, I'm going to get mugged by bikers and everybody's just going to look at me and nobody's going to help me. And they want to take part in life, but they literally can't keep up with life. Yeah. I don't know if that's the vibe you were getting there. No, too. no, I did. I, the music, the amusement part music, you know, through every scene, that little, uh, what do you call that stuff? It's like a hand crank monkey music, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what it is. But like, um, yeah. I you mentioned bikers. It was kind of funny. I wanted to jump in because uh, bikers were sort of a precursor to the uh, bikers from Dawn of the Dead, right? The Tom Savini. Because we're post Night of Living Dead, um, uh, pre Dawn of the Dead, right? Yeah. So uh, he's still trying to like find his voice, and uh, it seems like he's at the peak of his uh, sort of creativity right now. Yeah, this was a five year sandwich in both directions of you know both of the deads, you yeah, know, between the Night of and the Dawn of. Good ear, by the way, on catching that. Dawn of the Dead mall music oh, yeah. in there too. That yeah, yeah. is just like he definitely. That's just some public domain music that he reused. That he must have just found. Yeah, he seems like he would be a very thrifty director. Yeah, right? well, I'm saying George Romero to me is the corporate video hero. You yeah. know what I mean? For like people that are filmmakers everywhere, surely I've done it. You've done it. You've got to do those corporate jobs. You've got to do the. Uh, you got to do the printer printer pitches, and you've got <laughs> right. to do the. Uh, you know whatever. Right. He started his career doing that. He started his own company. Right the latent image doing commercials and doing corporate videos. And he didn't get a, he got a break because he landed a gig doing a, a Mr. Rogers spot. Oh, wow. actually it was one of the, uh, it's one of the Mr. Rogers field trip things. It's Mr. Rogers goes to the dentist. 
Oh, wow. He did that? Yeah, so that's directed that's by George Merrill. So, wow. any, so anyway, he was like doing that and he was successful. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into the uh I'm gonna jump into the to the film industry. I want to make a film, just like everybody else. But he had sort of adapted that corporate video style, I think. And that's how he had learned to make things. And that sort of like filters into the way he makes horror movies, which I think why they seem so disturbing because they're so grounded. Yeah. You know? It makes sense. Yeah, it, I kept thinking a stranger in a strange land where, you know, the main actor in the amusement park wanted so bad to take part in basically life that's coming around you. Right. He, you know, he leaves the white room, you know, where nothing's happening to right. get into the excitement of life. But it's literally a whirlwind. And he's just like, it looks great, but nothing makes sense to him. And yeah. everything that he's doing is just like, nobody wants to talk to him. No one wants to take care of him. No one wants to take care of each other. Yeah. You know, they they pick, they stole his watch. They beat him up. Mm-hmm. They mocked him. And it was just like, and all he wanted to do was participate. Yeah. The stuff that was really, uh, I thought it just heartbreaking was when he's, uh, when he's, you know, sort of talking to the kids and being really nice to the kids and the dad pops out and is like, get out of here, you pervert. What's oh, yeah. wrong with you? Yeah. He's just, you like, know, you and he's minutes. just like sitting on the bench, like enjoying the company. And then that's when they get into the couple who wants to see the future and like, if you got to see the future, you got to see all of it. And then mm-hmm. it basically shows that, you know, you look, this is what's in store for you too. Yeah. You're going to die broke alone in a slum. Yeah. And, and then no one's going to care about you. Yeah, or love then, you. He walks out, and he, and that's when he gets attacked for the first time. Yeah, but you know that it's just like it's again. It's just like I'm not happy with my life, so I'm going to take it out on somebody else. Yeah, I'm not happy about the way my life is about to turn out, so I'm going to take it out on someone else. Yeah, uh, and then again, it's just like the the underlying fear was here. Like you mm-hmm. said, it wasn't. This isn't a traditional horror movie, obviously, because it was made for the Lutheran Church. And can you imagine, like. A community center in the Lutheran Church watching a, a, a horror-type movie. Yeah, can you imagine Father Whoever from the Lutheran Church <laughs> yeah. uh, sitting down to a meeting with George Romero and telling him, you know, we want to do this thing to make people aware of the elderly, you know, and their needs, and people should care about them. Yeah. And then George Romero hands him this horror movie about getting old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just like, and you had the Grim Reaper walking around with no shoes, basically. Mm-hmm. You had a couple of zombie like looks and a couple of zombie like movements when basically the rich guy did not want to look even look at him while he enjoyed his lobster and, and that it. was interesting when they spun him around so he didn't have to look at the poor people <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. but then the poor people and you know they kind of attacked each other in that sense you know when they went after the franks and beans mm-hmm. you know on their own and they were literally tearing the bread and dipping it in the beans and that was very yeah george romero zombie feeling mm-hmm. but instead of tearing flesh they were telling the bread tearing the bread on beans yeah you know the bean sandwich so yeah. but yeah i think there's a lot uh there's a lot going on with that sort of um you know loop where we you know the the character at the beginning becomes the character at the end becomes the character at the beginning again. Yeah. And, you know, you've got this thing. The room is, like, totally white. This is the way I saw it. He's in that white suit. The room is completely white. And if you notice, the guy, I think, was his name Lincoln? I think Link- the name. Yeah, I don't know if he was that. That was the actor's name or the character's name. Yeah. But yeah, I think it was definitely anyway, Lincoln. Um, the, the main actor there, as he's progressing through the amusement cart, his skin is getting whiter. He's turning white, that. you know? Yeah, that was the zombie feel, I feel yeah. like. As, because they were obviously playing with... Uh, 
the corrosion of time because you know that he started to get weathered and then the clocks there was a lot of clocks yeah. so every time they went along you were just seeing the clocks were going on and at the same time that you were seeing these younger people kind of whirlwinding you were seeing the older people starting to basically fall apart right yeah just had the entropy happenings so even where in you know when you went to the section of the park where the you know the older generation was a lot you know allowed to be in they were basically trying desperately to keep their thing you know their limbs going and their yeah. movement you know their it was almost like an an old age home and they were trying desperately to keep going so they yeah. can keep up with life you know he started i i felt like the thing about him turning wider was him sort of like uh losing his i guess uh you know his sort of like lust for life right it was it was leaving him he was becoming yeah. the white suit he was becoming the white room yeah and just be, becoming a vacant you know, uh, emotionless, empty, sad pile of old men. I mean, this was meant to play in like a church lobby somewhere or yeah. a community rec center. Yeah. Or maybe like something. I don't know if you remember being a kid in school where sometimes they'd send around weird films about yeah. issues. Journeys yeah. through stress. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing, you know, very specific presentations about, you know, uh, underage drinking and things like that. In his defense, he probably like didn't think, well, you know what? I'm probably going to become like a legendary director. I should probably hold on to this. No, he was probably in a point in his life where he made this film, Night of the Living Dead, and he lost the copyright, so he didn't make any damn money, and it's playing every midnight, you know, at whatever, at the Rialto, Yeah, and he's not making any money, and then he made a few films after that, and they, you know, they all tanked, you know, he hadn't had, he hadn't achieved his true success, you know, he was still five years away from that, Yeah, so this was just him... I feel like I, I can see it where this is like a dude who really, really still wanted to prove himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. He still wanted to prove himself as a, as a director, as a filmmaker, and he took this opportunity where the church funded this and came up with this idea and, you know, this concept and just, you know, hit it out of the park, really. Too bad it was for the Lutheran Church, but <laughs> yeah. like had this been had this just been to, uh, you know released as a as a film. I think I, I think people would have loved it. <laughs> I would have loved to have been there, you know, between like basically him and like all these like you know church scholars and L there, and then he's kind of sitting there, you know, yeah, with the filmer watching it, the big like, glasses on. Yeah, well, well, well what you think? And they just have the like, whoa, what just yeah. happened? Everyone always like rolls back to like, what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? And it's just like, and it's always pretty much The Exorcist, which I. Weirdly enough, it was this same year. Mm -hmm. But for me, I mean, I remember, obviously, I was not born when the original came out. But my parents were, you know, the proxies to the introduce what kind of films you were going to see. You know, I saw Jaws way too young, you know, just because yeah. then all of a sudden now it's like my favorite film of all time. Yeah. But as far as like scary films go, you know, I remember my mom just literally being petrified yeah. of Night of the Living Dead, which in turn made me petrified because you're like, when your caregiver is scared and you're at that age, you're going to be like, I probably should be scared too. Yeah, it was kind of the first real no-sell horror movie. Yeah. You know, a lot of things, you know, it was the late 60s and they're still they're still coming off of the whole sci-fi giant bugs and, you know, yeah. goofy Draculas and things like that. And this movie just... Played it like reality. I can't recall. It's probably been done, but the way that he had the uh, the radio announcements and the the, radio the, the, the stuff on the news, you know, just gave it this this authentic feel that I think scared the shit out of a lot of people. They'd never seen anything like that. It's like when you were talking about Blair Witch. There was not. No one had seen anything like that before. This was sort of a precursor to that. I think you just 
you you probably nailed it. You know, with our with our wrestling connection, I think yeah. you nailed the best way to describe the best horror movies are the no sell horror movies. Yeah, They're basically, we're not going to sell what's happening here. You know, to you to like, we're not going to almost preach to you that you should just scare. You're just going to know it. Yeah, <laughs> right. And it was you know, and that goes all the way back to right to. Orson Welles' War of the Worlds is just that radio thing where the first no-sell heart, right? It was yeah. just like he kayfade everybody on yeah. that. And that I think you're able to capture that with, like you said, the type of radio announcements. I think the music what, that creates the feeling and like you were talking about, the extras of just like... The creating, extras. We didn't talk about the extras. Yeah, the, Something about the way George Romero casts extras. Yes. Like it's auteur. It's like if Tim Burton picked his extras, you know what they would look like. Right. But George Romero's extras, they just have a look. He picks the most average-looking people yeah. that you could possibly get. Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes it feel real because they're like, they're clearly not actors, right? Because it's just like, if you can tell someone's an actor, you're going to be like, okay, I should yeah. be a form. And, but now you're like, how did this? Because it's always very jerky movements, very mm -hmm. awkward diet, like almost just like everything short of just looking at the camera of just like, what are you making? Mm -hmm. You know, That's yeah. basically the, the way they look at each other, the yeah. way they interface. And then even like, you know, obviously this was, you know, clothing for, you know, the wardrobe was for that generation, but it's just like everything very, looks very frumpy. Like nothing is just like, you can tell that's not an extra that's looking to be another act. Like, did you notice they showed him like three times? I thought a guy had crapped his pants, but it was a guy that was just walking around and he had like tape, like, right on the back of his pants no. that he clearly just like, I ripped my pants. <laughs> I don't have enough money to fix these pants. So I'm just going to put this tape on there. And it was just like, that was the third time I saw this guy yeah. walking around with basically a taped crack. Yeah. Well, they said a lot of those uh, were just volunteer extras, right. Um, who came out for the shoot and he maybe ripped his pants <laughs> while he was out there, uh, you know, acting. And so they had to hook him, help him out with some tape. And it was definitely the, the patches, right. Cause you'd patch the elbows, but you know, patches were big at that time. And patches, I think it was just yeah. like, a long butt patch, basically. And mm -hmm. it's just like, there's butt patch guy. <laughs> <laughs> just like we know, you always recognize the Romero zombies, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's naked zombie. There's yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever zombie. Kick oh, it off. Yeah, but it, totally enjoyed it. Uh, it's on Shudder. It's on Shudder. So you, know? you should watch it uh, in the comfort of your own home. Do recommend it. It's uh, it's 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 special. I think it's special, man. Like, this is yeah. George Romero from Beyond the Grave reaching out. And saying, oh, by the way, I also made this. And, uh, you know, you can watch it now on Shudder. Yeah, and it was cool to listen to his his wife and the Q&A runs in. And just, like, basically, it was, like, three weeks before his death, right? Yeah. That he actually got to sit down yeah. and see this movie and probably look at a different set of eyes. Because now he was the old guy at the amusement park. And he was literally three weeks from death and yeah. probably didn't even know it. Yeah. He probably had a whole different appreciation. I mean, that's, like, life is... Uh, you know, the George Lucas, this, it's like poetry. This stuff has to rhyme. Yeah. He made it his life rhyme that he got to see the film about aging when he was at that age stage where he was about to walk into the white room himself. Yeah. But he was still smoking Marlboro Reds so yeah, until yeah, exactly. the last day. Thumbs up. Thank you to uh, Shudder for, you know, helping and the George A. Romero Foundation for uh, finding this gem and sharing it out there because, you know, hashtag save indie film is important, especially now in 2021, because now we were like, we want to save theaters. And we were talking about this on the way home. I will always watch stuff at home that'll never go away. But there's just something special about 
taking the time to get in your car to go there to get the smell to get the ambiance mm-hmm. to actually be absorbed and have this co-experience even if you're not talking to people you're in a room co-experiencing something like this and this isn't a commercial film this is a unique experience so that's that was very cool thank you yep go to shutter sign up for an account enter promo code dos incredibles and you can pay full price yes dun 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 